We want to thank our sponsor, Manscaped, which is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champion of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code TRAVELSQUAD at manscaped.com. I've been manscaping before Manscaped was even a product. And I can tell you this, from all my times from puberty until now, since I've gotten my hands on the Lawnmower 4.0 and be one of the first men in America, let alone the world, to try this product, nothing has been better for me in my manscaping regimen. Imagine a sleek, well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving the most enjoyable part of your bathroom experience. The Lawnmower 4.0 features a cutting-edge ceramic blade due to its skin-safe technology. It also has multiple guard lengths, a spotlight to guide your shave, and wireless charging capabilities. It is even waterproof, so you can take this bad boy with you into the shower. No worries about getting electric shock or nicks on your family jewels whatsoever with this product. I know my balls have thanked me, and your balls will thank you. And so will the ladies in your life. Get 20% off and free shipping with code TRAVELSQUAD at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TRAVELSQUAD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, Hey, squaddies. Welcome to episode 96 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we're sharing an interview that we did on the Ashley P. Travels podcast. We're starting to do more interviews on other people's podcasts, and this is one of the first one that we did, so we wanted you to hear it. 
You will notice that Zaina is the fourth voice on this podcast. We recorded this when she was still on here, so just take note of that. But it's a great interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and we had so much fun interviewing with Ashley, and it was such an honor to be invited on as a podcast guest. We love having guests on our podcast, and it's really exciting to be on someone else's. And she had prompted us with wanting to interview us about a crazy travel experience and story. So we really dove into our adventure hiking Rainbow Mountain in Peru, and it's such an awesome time. And I I know you guys will enjoy this interview as well. You may remember Ashley from episode 76 when we had her as a guest on our podcast, but before that, we were a guest on hers, and this episode features that interview. We have an episode all about Cusco, Peru, where we talk about this adventure and many more things that we did while we were in Cusco, but I love this interview so much because it gave us a greater opportunity to talk more in-depth about the crazy adventure that ensued at Rainbow Mountain when we were there. Yeah, it was super fun. We had a great time recording it with her. Ashley's an amazing interviewer. So let's get right into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Ashley P. Travels. Today, I am even more excited than usual because this is not only one of my my first guest podcast spot, but I have four new friends that are here to join me today. And that's going to be Jamal, Kim, Brittany, and Zaina. And they run the Travel Squad podcast on their own, which is a extremely successful travel, travel podcast where they give out tips and advice, crazy travel stories um, to travelers all over the world. And these guys have been <laughs> everywhere from some, from some of the episodes I've listened to. I am extremely jealous uh, and just really excited to have you on the show. So welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. No, it's my pleasure, really. I think that, or actually, I don't think I know that my listeners are going to absolutely love hearing your stories. And um, I would like to, if you don't mind, I'm going to pass it over to you so you can kind of give them a little bit more of an in-depth rundown of what your podcast is about. Over to you. I'm Kim, and we've actually been friends for a very, very long time. Some of us, even family members. We grew up in the same hometown. We all now live in San Diego, and we started traveling together about four years ago when we took a trip to Cusco, Peru. And then ever since then, we've been going on international and domestic trips, hiking trips, weekend trips together, and having a lot of crazy times together. Um, I like to refer to myself as um, the fun one of the group, the party one of the group, always finding the Thai food places and the rooftop bars. But everyone kind of brings their own personality and vibe and take on the travels together. It is good to have... some of the faces with the name because a few of the episodes that I have listened to from your podcast you know I get to uh, sort of match who who bickers with who and who's the foodie and who's the, the one that doesn't pack right and you know so I really kind of get a get to put that that with it so it's a lot of fun yeah I feel like we all bring our own vibe and even though some of the banter that we have in our podcast is picking on each other. It's all in good fun. I mean, Zaina's my sister. Brittany's my wife. Brittany has known Kim since junior high, right? So it's only natural that we've all kind of meshed together in our own way from the same hometown. And beyond just our adventures and stories, what we like to do on our podcast is just inspire people to travel, let them know that it's not as hard as 
people think it is in terms of planning trips, making it a priority to do, and really inspiring people most importantly to travel within their own backyard, whether it be someplace close to their hometown or even someplace domestically in the United States to national parks. We love national parks. So that's really what we try to inspire our listeners to do. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I think that that perspective is so different than uh, than my experience because I was on cruise ships and actually got paid to travel and traveled, you know, sometimes in a 12 hour period that we were at a port. So we'd have to run around and go catch trains and make sure we're back in time. So it was very different than maybe going and getting getting to spend five days or a week in a certain place and getting to really enjoy nature and do all those things. So I, I love that. I love that we kind of have a, a different perspective on that. So, you know, I'm jealous of you, Ashley, because we, I've always wanted to, well, I didn't know that you could work on a cruise ship and I found out too late, but if I could go back and do my early twenties again, I would be on a cruise ship. Instead, I just traveled around the world by myself. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, I, most of my travel, my, my real travel, as I call it, was done on my vacations from my contracts. So as an American, I was limited in my position to the Caribbean and Alaska. And my contracts were typically between four and six months. So when I had those one and a half or two month vacations in between contracts, that's when I would make sure to, you know, fly to the places in the world that I wanted to go and didn't on ships. So that is kind of a, it, it's a mixture, but I think what I was fortunate to cruise ships for was being able to work, have no bills, save that money to really go crazy on my vacations. So awesome. I think we share in common packing in as much as you can in 12 hours because we're definitely all about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I can, t- I can tell from some of your hopping, your, your, uh, your, your multiple stops. And I love that. So um, I want to, as many places you guys have been, I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to narrow it down. But just to get us kicked off and going, um, I know you have so much travel advice and it doesn't have to be advice, but I do want to give everybody that's listening a chance to hear from real live travelers, world travelers, their favorite place that they've been. And it's as a traveler myself, I know it's hard to narrow it down, but if you don't mind, just give us a couple of the high points of your personal favorite place. So Ashley, I'm Brittany and I'll go first. So one of my favorite places in the world is actually Austria. And it really brings me back uh, this time of year because Jamal and I first went to Austria was on our honeymoon and we took it during the Christmas season. So when we arrived to Austria, they were doing the Christmas markets. We were able to try traditional food there, desserts, walk the town um, and just go through the Christmas markets and look at their traditional local um, creative ornaments and gifts that they sell there. And it was so beautiful. It's everything you imagine with the beautiful mountains in the backdrop and then the meadows and the green lush grass on the forefront. And so we just had a really great time in Austria and I loved it there. Specifically, which cities did you visit in in Austria? We visited Salzburg and Vienna. And we also did um, two other small stops in like Milk and Abbey. 
Oh, that's amazing. Um, I have been to be, I have been to Vienna. Uh, it, it was actually funny enough during Halloween. So we're, you know, hitting it on the holidays, but, um, yeah, I, I wasn't able to go and visit some of the, the beautiful landscapes and mountainsides. And I have to get back to that. Thank you for that. For me, I'm going to keep us in Europe, but I'm choosing a different country. Uh, my favorite place that I've been to is actually Chamonix in France. It's in the French Alps. It's tucked into the corner between Italy and Switzerland. And it's at the foot of Mont Blanc, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is the highest mountain in the Alps itself. And wow. the town is almost like a quaint... Um, Vale or Aspen type town, if you will, but obviously nestled in the European Alps. And we took the gondola all the way to the top. They actually have something that's called Step Into the Void, where they've built a glass box that you can walk into and you're looking straight down the edge of the mountain. And you just can't oh, help but think, amazing. oh my gosh, if this glass cracks, I'm going to fall. Obviously, it's not. But that was one of the most unique experiences when you're at the top of the mountain, you're looking into Switzerland, you're looking into Italy, you're looking down back into France. And it was such an amazing European experience. And we were there during winter. And it, so it just had that whole ambiance that I really, really love. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, question for you, as I guess, as a group, when when you were traveling, and, and I apologize if you mentioned this in one of your episodes and I missed it, but um, how do you decide where you're going? Do you make a, a road trip first, or do you make a, do you plan it out? Do you just kind of drive and then decide to stop? So for road trips specifically, we always plan it out in advance. Usually I'm the planner, but we all start to throw out ideas like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to go here? And then we'll say, then Kim, someone will jump in and say, and this isn't too far from that place. Kind of like when we did our American Southwest road trip, we wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. And then Kim was like, well, Antelope Canyon's not that far from the Grand Canyon. And Zaina's like, well, you know, Valley of Fire is not that far too. So we just kind of each threw out our own ideas and then we made it work, but we typically pre-plan everything in advance. We'll pre-plan the trip, but sometimes the destination is spur of the moment. We talk about this all the time, um, scattered through the episodes, really, about how Southwest Airlines sale fares will dictate where we decide that we're actually going to go. So we always have like, obviously our favorite places that we do want to go that's on our bucket list, like even here in the United States, for example. But really, if there's a good sale, we say, why not? And one trip recently that we took was to Boise, Idaho. It wasn't Southwest, it was on Alaska. They had a good sale going up to Boise. There were some hot springs up there. So we were coming back from another trip. I think it was Chicago and we just said, why not? And then we booked it while we were sitting on the tarmac waiting to go. And then the planning took place after that. But a lot of them are spur of the moment, but when they're decided upon, the planning really kicks in. Ah, I love that. Um, I have definitely been in that situation a few times where, you know, you see a good deal and just go, all right, I'm going to do it. Um, but I think one of my strangest was actually in reverse. Um, I was in Asia in Vietnam and I was supposed to fly to New Zealand to jump on a ship with a friend and decided at the very last minute to fly home and, you know, got online and, and booked that and, and decided to go home. I, 
the the details are a little bit sticky. I won't get into that <laughs> reasoning, um, but it it definitely kind of is more of a go with the flow thing once you become a season season traveler. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big go with the flow person. Like when I used to travel by myself, I think like I bought a ticket to Dublin, Ireland because it was I think $300 one way. And then from Dublin, Ireland, I just worked my way west to east until I reached Beirut, Lebanon, where, um, yeah, so Jamal and I are Lebanese. And so I was just moving my way through Europe until I got there. And then I lived there for a little bit and then came back to the Oh, that sounds amazing. And you said that that's your favorite place or? I would, yeah, I would say Beirut. Yeah, Lebanon. Beirut's the capital. So just say Beirut, Lebanon. But I would say Lebanon. And then I always push on the squad Cyprus, which is a tiny little island to the west of Beirut. And it's so close. Like it's like it's less than a 30 minute flight from Beirut. And it's such a fun place. And I keep telling the squad that we got to go to Cyprus. We got to go to Cyprus. And they just laugh at me because it's not high on our list, although we do want to go. But, you know, go, I go, go. I can. Yeah. I, I have been, and it's amazing. And you should absolutely go. And you can really do uh, almost the whole island in just a few days. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have not been to Lebanon, and I will put that on my bucket list just for you. <laughs> and then I'll let you yeah, know. Yeah. It is a party country. It is so wonderful. You would have like the best time and the people are so hospitable. Ah, thank you for that. And when Zaina says, when Zaina says she always mentions Cyprus to us, it's truly every day that we talk, <laughs> she's mentioning Cyprus. Um, but my favorite place in the world is Koh Phi Phi, Thailand. It's an island in the Southern islands of Thailand. It is such a beautiful place. These gorgeous, super tall um, cliffs that are covered in greenery, gorgeous turquoise waters with the traditional Thai boats all around. It's also a big place for backpackers. So you have the whole party scene there. Everything's neon at night and there's great music on the beach. The beaches are beautiful and it's a really great place to stay and do day trips from. There's a ton of different other islands around there with monkeys and different snorkeling excursions you can do so it's a great place even though it's a very small island you can stay for a week and have something else you're doing every day uh, I, I second everything you just said <laughs> I couldn't agree more um it's an amazing place and you're right um Krabi Island I believe if I don't know if I'm saying that right that was my favorite place if I had to really narrow it down um but Thailand in itself is just an incredible place. So Absolutely. highly recommended. Well, a question for you, are any of your craziest stories in the places, in your favorite places that you've been? Mine not, because Brittany and I were on our honeymoon. It was kind of more relaxed and nothing too crazy. Usually the crazy happens when we're all as a squad. That one was a solo trip, just Brittany and I. So unfortunately, my crazy stories and adventures don't coincide with my favorite place. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. Could be both. <laughs> so. I definitely I have, have crazy stories from Kopi P, but not as a squad. <laughs> okay. I, I'm going to have to agree with Kim. I definitely have some crazy, crazy stories, but, uh, you know, nothing beats the squad stories. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, let's hear it. This Who wants story, to start us off? I'll go ahead and start us off. So one of our crazy adventures, because we really thought about it and we're like, collectively, what's a really good 
squad memory that we have that we all absolutely cherish. And it's as a matter of fact, our first squad trip in 2016, we all decided that we were going to go hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. So we flew into Cusco and we were all geared up for the trail uh, to do that. And the crazy story isn't even hiking the Inca Trail. That's a crazy one. But when we were there, we discovered that there was a place called Rainbow Mountain just outside of Cusco, about two and a half, three hours. And I had never even heard of it. But when we got there, every tour company in the city of Cusco was just advertising day trips to Rainbow Mountain, day trips to Rainbow Mountain. And so Brittany claims she knew of it before we went, but I had never heard of it. Brittany and I had seen it on Instagram and in blog posts before, and we, we definitely knew about it and we wanted to go, but I think it was, it was a little far away from where we were staying, right, Brittany? Yeah, it was about three hours from where we were staying and we're like, how are we going to get there? Is it actually feasible to do? And one of the problems is the altitude. When you fly into Cusco, you know that you might get altitude sickness just from visiting the city. And they actually recommend you get altitude sickness medication prior to your trip so that you can acclimate if you're doing any hiking on the Inca Trail. And the Rainbow Mountain is actually a higher elevation than the Inca Trail in Machu Picchu and in Cusco. So um, although it was farther away, we, we just didn't think that we would be able to get there. One, we didn't know we, we'd have a way to get there, but we were also really determined because if you see, if you have seen the pictures on Instagram, it's such a beautiful mountain. It's so colorful. It has turquoise, lavenders, golds, reds, other colors, and it just shimmers in the sunlight. And Kim and I were like, if we can make this happen, we're going to go. Yeah. And, and we always find a way to make the big desires happen. So of course we ended up going, we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. And Rainbow Mountain's really unique. It, there's only another one other place in the world that's kind of like it. And it's in one of China's national parks. And so those are the only two places where there's a mountain range that have these type of colors that are literally layered to look like a rainbow as they're described. And we had gotten to Cusco at least four, five days earlier than our initial hiking start date on the Inca Trail so we can get acclimated. And so when we found that the tour companies were doing it, we were like, should we still even do it? This is our second day in Cusco. And then the tour operators were like, oh, no, 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 you could rent horses. You don't even have to do any of the hiking yourself. You can just ride the horses up to the mountain. It's going to be great. And that was the selling point for us to do it. And also um, kind of a lie <laughs> in its own right, too. And it leads to a funny situation happening later, too. But that's what sold it. They said that there's going to be horses that you can actually ride so you don't have to do the hiking and exert yourself and that was a lie and the thought was if we can just take the horses and be fine and we're not actually hiking and we're getting acclimated we're going to be fine for Machu Picchu <laughs> like there was no doubt in our mind <laughs> and it was on this trip that we coined the term easy day because an easy day is without a doubt not an easy day and uh, this was just that. It started with the trip. We booked the tour through our hostel company. First time we've ever stayed in a hostel as a squad, which was so, so fun. But the pickup time was bright and early 3 a.m. So we get ourselves situated that night. We go out to dinner. 
we want to try their famous Peruvian cocktail, which is the Pisco Sour. I think it has brandy in it. I know it has egg whites. It has a couple of other things. It's actually a very delicious drink, but it didn't sit so well for someone in the squad. So I get sick a lot. <laughs> Yikes. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and when I, yeah. So anyways, I woke up maybe around like one in the morning and I guess, and I ate the exact same thing that Brittany did. And I drank the exact same thing as Brittany. But I still woke up one in the morning, go to the bathroom, and I just like, I hack my lungs up and just like, I can't stop throwing up. So Kim hears me because I'm not being very gentle, <laughs> obviously. And she's like, oh, you should take some Tums. And I'm like, okay. And then I crawl back into bed <laughs> on the top bunk there in the hospital. And I did fall asleep. And then, you know, we, I was able to wake up and I just remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I am not losing out on the money that I paid for this. I'm not going to sit in the hospital all day while they're gone. And it's just going to be so boring. It's going to be so depressing. I'm just going to troop it out. So that's the thing about me. I'm a big trooper, no matter how sick I get. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I just remember on the van ride there, I was pretty much curled up hugging myself and every single windy road, we can get into like what it was like to actually get there. But I was hugging myself, praying that I wasn't going to like puke on the bus. And Brittany every now and then would be like, are you okay? And I'm just curled up and I'm like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, I did it. And also the night before, minus the Pisco Sours, which I think it was the egg whites in the drink that really probably did it for Zena. But you mentioned this earlier, and you were so correct in that. One member of the squad is always ill-prepared, and that's Zena. We're going hiking <laughs> in the Andes Mountains to do the Inca Trail. You know, Rainbow Mountain just happened to be a spur-of-the-moment one. But she didn't even bring a heavy-duty jacket. So Zena's sitting or here. Gloves. Or gloves. So Zena's sitting here feeling sick. But the night before, before she was sick, she's like, oh, I got to get something. So we went to the local market. She bought like a poncho. So she's just curled up in the bus wearing this poncho that makes her look like she's in like an 1800s Western movie. Just sitting <laughs> oh, there. No. So it just adds to the whole ambiance of uh, what's going on over there. And Did you learn your lesson, Zaina? No, I no. <laughs> really did watch the entire squad shaking their head no. <laughs> and this was only going to be our second day. And when we first landed in Cusco, we could feel the um, altitude. We walked upstairs to go eat lunch at one of the local restaurants, and we all felt lightheaded and dizzy just walking up one flight of stairs. And this was going to be at like 6,000 feet less in altitude than what we were going to be at the top of Rainbow Mountain. Yeah, because Rainbow Mountain, and we talked about it being up really high in elevation, it's at 17,000 feet in elevation. I mean, they say anything over eight can really give you altitude sickness. At that level, I don't really feel it. It's more like 10, and Cusco sits at that, 11. sorry, at 11,000 is where Cusco sits. Um, but you could feel it there, and Rainbow Mountain was going to be 6,000 more feet in elevation than that. And so, wow. So we took a bus bright and early at 3 a.m. And with the package that we bought, it included round trip transportation to and from our hostel and breakfast and lunch. And then the option to obviously add on the horse if we wanted to. But the ride to the mountain itself was an excursion in itself. Like mm -hmm. it was such a tiny bus, but we're hugging the side of a cliff. It's t really windy roads. There was a point in time where our back tire went over the edge of the cliff 
and we literally thought we were going to fall off the cliff and die. <laughs> and there were knew- other people in buses that had to get out on these cliffs and help push the push bus. The bus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And so Rainbow Mountain, it was actually only very recently discovered with some glacial snow melt. And so the roads that they have going out there are very primitive. They may have updated them now, obviously, because of the tourism. But again, it's still very recently discovered. So the only roads up there are primitive because native people that live up in the mountains are the only ones there. So they're in remote villages, so they don't have good transportation. So these windy roads going up 17,000 feet high up in the Andes are pretty sketchy. And we almost went over the edge on that one, that's for sure. And then I guess to make, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, you were gonna say something. I'm just surprised that with the tourism there that they hadn't made it more accessible. Not yet, maybe now, who knows? Oh my gosh. So yeah, please continue. I'm on the edge of my seat, literally. <laughs> well, and, and well, when we made it from almost plummeting over the edge of the cliff, <laughs> we had a little reprieve and a nice little uh, collective sigh. And then we got to enjoy a traffic jam of alpacas blocking the road. <laughs> so I mean, it gave us the whole Peru Win in experience. Peru. <laughs> yeah. So they, I mean, there is even an alpaca with cute little pink um, bows in her, like right there on her ears. I mean, like they were very colorful and dressed. Oh my gosh. You just can't, I'm sorry, you, just, you can't get any more cliche than like, oh, a roadblock of alpacas in Peru. I, I just love it. So we finally make it to like the start of the hike. Zaina is, you know, a little nauseated still, but she's hanging in there, but we make it and we finally get to the spot where we're going to have breakfast and we're all excited because it was a two, three hour car ride. And we love free breakfast. Buffet. We love free breakfast. And we're like, this is going to be great. We're going to eat before the hike. And they literally had us in a barn that probably had no sunlight in it. There was no actual lights in it as well. And so it was literally freezing inside of the barn where we're going to have breakfast. Well, not even just in the barn. We walked off the bus and we were like, oh my God, it is so cold out here. I mean, you know, again, we're at 16,500 feet. The top of Rainbow Mountain is about 17,000. And there's not much hiking because you're kind of at a like um, a plateau, if you will. So very subtle on the incline. So we're high up and we're like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. We can't wait to get inside the barn. And then we get in the barn. And like Brittany was saying, there is no direct sunlight. So it was colder in the barn than it was outside. So we're like, can we go back outside to eat breakfast? Cause we're dying in here. And then Zaina looks at me and says, oh my God, I'm so cold. I don't have any gloves. And her hands are turning blue. And just to keep her from complaining even more because she's sick, I had to sacrifice my gloves to her. And then I started to get even more cold than I really was. So uh, it was a pretty wild breakfast experience, not even to mention the butter and the rolls, which I'll let somebody take over on that and what happened with that. Wait, I just really want to say when Jamal gave me the gloves, it was like one of those dumb and dumber movie moments, you know, where he's like, you have had two pairs of gloves. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. He looks at me. I didn't even ask for his gloves, you know, like I accept the punishment. I'm freezing in a poncho without gloves. And he just like looks at me and he is disgusted with me. You didn't bring gloves? 
to the Andes. We're in the Andes, Zena. And there's definitely some colorful language in there too. And then he <laughs> rips his gloves off. He scoffs, he shakes his head and he just like puts them up against me. And he's like, take my gloves. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And he's like, take the gloves, Zeta. Just take the gloves. And so thanks for that. Um, but they did tell me before we go to the Inca Trail, you better buy yourself some gloves because I'm not giving my gloves on the trail. Uh, was there no place that you could stop on the way to get gloves? I'm assuming not. Probably no uh, tourist booths on the side of the road. Exactly. As soon as we got back to Cusco that night, the first thing we did was go into a store and I bought gloves, but um, there was definitely nothing out there. <laughs> oh my God. So to tell you again how cold it was, when we had breakfast, one of the items that they gave us was a roll of bread and they had butter on the side and the butter was a frozen log <laughs> and you had to use your knife to chip away pieces of butter. And then when you finally got the butter off, it was tearing the bread roll apart because you were just having to use all of your force to try to spread the butter, the frozen butter on this roll. Like butter ice chips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how cold it was. I mean, I, it was really below freezing out there. It, re it really, really was. Luckily, later on, on the hike, the sun did peak out, and it was just enough to keep you, you know, warm. It was still cold, but uh, the, the ray of sunlight was quite pleasant, let's put it that way. And we were able to warm uh, up a breakfast. It was intolerably cold at that point. And to yeah, top it off right before the hike, the only toilets that were there were squat toilets. So, you know, you, you had to squat down, it was freezing cold, and, and that was the way we had to do it before the hike. Wow. That, that's now, being one with nature. Well, the other thing that you should know is that we are taking our altitude sickness pills, and altitude sickness pills makes you, uh, I think one of the side effects is frequent urination. <laughs> and Stop, so, like, really? You're out there. Yeah. I remember even when we started the Inca trail, I used the restroom and then five minutes and that's the last restroom that you had. And then five minutes later, I look at Brittany and I'm like, I got to pee. <laughs> because the altitude sickness medication is a diuretic so that there's not a lot of water pressure in you because that's what makes the altitude sickness worse. So it makes you pee constantly. Oh my God. <laughs> it was easier for me as a guy, but for a girl, you know, do, having to take everything down and squat, I'm sure it was probably really intolerable. And in those moments, I just, I'm thankful that I don't have to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so then after breakfast, they gave us pretty much a little orientation our tour guide did of, you know, what's going on. And he said at this point, all right, is there anybody who wants to rent a horse and the horses that they have up there, you know, they're not even provided by the tour company. These are really horses and the cattle, um, if you will, of the villagers who live up there in the Andes. So going there is a good way for them to make money too, because then they rent you the horses. Uh, and that's also the curse because they're not even really horses, they're mules. Let me tell you that. Uh, so they're a lot smaller and coming in as you know, larger Americans versus more short um, Peruvians, <laughs> it, it was really uncomfortable to even sit on the horses or mules because they were small and their saddles were so tiny. So after riding for about like five minutes, your butt is just completely, completely sore and numb and it made it for a chaotic experience. 
I guess one thing you should know is Jamal and I are really tall. And so Jamal's like six foot, I'm five, nine and a half. And so for such a small mule you and with such a tall person, you're bent over really uncomfortable. Whereas uh, Brittany and Kim, they're a little bit shorter than us. <laughs> and so I think that they had a little bit more of an easier experience rather than Jamal and I bending over. But no, I mean, like it was when we were starting the hike, I remember um, our tour guide was basically telling us that, hey, I'm going to bring a tank of oxygen because it's going to be so high up there. So if you have trouble breathing, we have oxygen, but don't ask for it unless you really need it. Otherwise, it's dangerous. And all right, guys, let's go follow me. I'm going to go slow so you can keep up with me. And then as soon as he says that, he sprints across the mountain to the starting point and he keeps turning around. He's like, come on guys, keep up, keep up. And what you need to know is that the elevation is so high that it takes your breath away. So it's not that we're not athletic. It's not that, you know, like we can't keep up. It's that the altitude is not allowing you to move as fast as you would like. And he's sprinting, yelling at us. Come on guys. Yeah. The starting altitude is 14,000 feet in elevation. So we could barely keep up with him and he's just sprinting across the mountain like it's no big thing. Well, he's a local and acclimated to the altitude. So it is no big thing for him. And so we started on and, you know, all four of us ended up getting the mules. I, I refuse to call them horses, you know, they're, they're mules. They, it's and about like probably similar to like the, the mules in Greece. You, you guys, have you guys been to Greece? have not have been not. to Greece It's yet. on our bucket list though. Okay. That, that's the only uh, experience that I had riding what they also called horses, which were mules. And uh, they, they take you up the side of the cliff so that you can go down to do like sunset boat rides and things like that. But I, I didn't even feel comfortable getting on them. Just, I mean, I'm not uh, as tall as you, Zaina, but I'm five, seven. And even at that height, I did not feel, I felt like I was crushing the damn thing. <laughs> so, <why? laughs> oh, well, we felt the same way. And, you know, so we started going on and the majority of the, the hike, if you will, is relatively flat. But the parts where you do actually have to hike, they tell you, oh, it's too strenuous on the horse. And they're using the word horse. So you actually have to get off. And hike mm -hmm. next to the horse going up the mountain. When the whole reason was we bought these horses so that we didn't have didn't to have do the died. hike. And then the other thing too, is that it's not that you like rent the horse or the mule, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And then you're off in the tour group. The owner is right next to you through the entire time. And so I think like, that's another piece that I didn't realize. So like, they're just constantly next to you, holding the reins of the mule, leading it through the mountains. So then they tell you at the hard parts, oh, you need to get off. <laughs> and so we're like, then why did we even rent the uh, horse? Because I could have walked very easily, uh, you know, in the flat parts. And then on the hard parts is where they make you get off. And, you know, I just can't stress enough how really strenuous it was. I mean, these are very subtle uphills. Normally, you know, it should be no problem. But with the altitude, I mean, just each step you take, you can just feel the exertion and how hard it is to do. And it was pretty intense. I've never felt an experience quite like that, honestly. And not only that, the squad got there as a squad, but they kind of split us up. Kim and I ended up getting on horses first. So our guides had started walking. And then by the time they found guides for Zena and Jamal, they got on later. So if there was a portion in time where 
Kim and I were by ourselves. And then even at some points, even split up from each other. So we're feeling altitude sickness. We're feeling nauseated. We're feeling all of the effects of the altitude. And we have no one to really have a conversation with because our guides don't really speak great English. We don't speak great Spanish. I mean, Dana does, but the rest of us don't speak great Spanish. And then we're kind of by ourselves for a good portion of the hike as well. And I'm just, I've just remembered since you said that, that Dana was sick as well. So I can't imagine what this is like for her. Well, you know, it's so funny is like, as Brittany was saying, like we're, we're nauseated or whatever it was that you just said, Brittany, I was thinking to myself, you know, at this point, I'm just pretty much in it. So I think that I forgot that I was sick because like there, there comes a point and by the way, none of this story is us complaining. This is us laughing about it because it was so fun. And there really comes a point where you're just like, this is so crazy that you're in kind of survival mode that I don't even realize that I'm sick anymore. And um, I'm trying to have a conversation too with my guide because, you know, I, I, I like to practice my Spanish and that was fun. And I remember that one point I asked her if, and I don't even know the words in English because I'm not big with horses, but if they can lengthen this, is it stirrup where you can put your stirrup, feet? You put your feet. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I asked her, can you lengthen the stirrup? And she's like, oh yeah, absolutely. And so she did it and it did nothing. <laughs> It did nothing because it's just, it, it's equipped for them. It's not equipped for me. And Jamal was like, oh, ask them to do that for me too. Ask them to do that for me too. And I did. And it did nothing for Jamal too. <laughs> oh no. Kim, why don't you tell us about the bathrooms on the trail? So on the Trail Squad podcast, we always like to inform listeners on what the bathroom situation is like in the places that we go. So bathroom stitch in the Rainbow Mountain Trail is a dug up hole in the ground. And some of them have like tarps or some kind of linen that they put up to make like a little tent around it, but it's definitely a hole in the ground. And that hole in the ground is very, very nice when the altitude sickness pills kick in and you have to use the restroom. (laughs) (laughs) Anything will do at that point. (laughs) Oh my God. But do you get your own hole or is everybody sharing the same hole? Um, it's one at a time, but it's definitely a shared hole. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Um, but that's really important to remember actually, because when you get to the end of the trail, it's very steep to get to the top of rainbow mountain where you get the beautiful view of the top and you see all the colors and the horses obviously are not going to take you up that portion of it. And it's really hard. It's not that long, but because of how steep it is, plus the altitude, it takes a long time to get up. So I made the mistake of not using the hole in the ground before going up and then had to come back down very quickly. Um, So squad tip for all the listeners out here, use the restroom before going up and then make that trek up. I think Brittany and I were the first ones to get there. Yeah. And that's where the squad reunited. We finally got to where we're going to go see the beautiful rainbow colors. So Kim and I were like, okay, let's wait for Jamal and Zaina to catch up so that we can go up as a squad and see the rainbow mountain all together. And so Kim and I had gotten there first and Kim kind of waited it out and didn't go pee before we made the trek up. Yeah. And so Kim was right. You know, if my memory serves me correct, and you know, it's been 
four so years back now on it. But that last little portion to get that climactic view of what is Rainbow Mountain, you get up there, you can see the layers of the colors, and then you could even see down into the valley. It's just so beautiful. But to get up there, it's 200, I think it was about 200 feet of an incline, which was more steep than pretty much the rest of the incline on the trail, but still in general, not very steep. So I was only able to take about five steps at a time before I had to take a break and then wait another like four or five minutes before I could take like another five steps. So that's the longest 200 feet I've ever <laughs> had to so take in my life. Not having been someone who's really hiked at high altitude at all, um, for the people that are listening that might be like me, what, what are like the physical attributes when you get to an altitude like that? What are you feeling? You just can't breathe because I'm, I'm right there with Jamal because I was right next to Jamal's side for that last portion of the trek the entire time. And so like you're literally taking five steps. And when you take those five steps, you're just like <sighs> gasping for air. Like it's so thin. It's so like, like obviously you're in air, but it's almost like it's not there and at one point, Jamal's lips turned blue. And so Brittany is a registered nurse. And so I'm calling out to Brittany, Jamal's lips are blue. And she turns around. She's like, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> it's like, it's literally taking the life out of you. And it's just difficult. And about what was the temperature when you guys were hiking? Well, now that we're getting higher, it's getting a little bit colder at this point because of the, the elevation. But the would sun was out at that point. I would say maybe it was about 45 to 50 degrees, but there was a strong, strong wind at the top yeah. of Rainbow Mountain. So you had some serious wind chill factor come in. So it felt a lot colder, but I would say it was about you know, 50, 45, 50 degrees. And you know, what Zaina was saying is correct. It was just difficult to breathe, but more for me, beyond feeling difficult to breathe, it was, but just those few steps almost felt like, okay, I've just completed like two hours straight of a real strenuous workout. Like that's what each amount of five steps was. It was like, well, like I'm physically exerted, like I've never felt before on top of the breathing issues. Yeah. So you were asking like what you might feel and you're going to feel like fatigue, nausea, shortness of breath. Um, your breathing is going to be a lot labored. You might see that your fingertips start to turn blue or your lips start to turn blue. Um, you might actually pass out. Depending Sounds on like my first attempt at CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I I've done, I've done CrossFit one time and never, yeah, I, I'm same with you. I've done it one time and just imagine, you know, how you probably felt like five minutes in say you did it for the full hour at that pace. That's what it really, really felt like on an exertion level. So we finally made it to the top, super, super windy. And then we were all enjoying it together for about five seconds before Kim says, F this, I can't take it anymore. I got to go pee. So she goes down the hill at that point. So we didn't get to spend a lot of time together at the top. 
I don't even think we have a picture of all of us together, but they were um, selling beer at the top, interestingly enough. And so it's just crazy to think that someone climbs that mountain every single day to put beer on top for people to enjoy because that sounds like torture. And Jabal was like, man, a beer sounds good, but like you can't even imagine drinking a beer. Like that's going to kill you. I mean, the squad never turns down the opportunity to have a beverage or a cocktail. Uh, and this was one of those instances, like I saw it and you know, when you're in certain foreign countries, how inexpensive alcohol is. So I feel like, all right, I'm already getting a good deal. Like, how can I say no, you know, less than a dollar. Uh, but I was just like, like, I don't even know what my body will feel like if I have a beer up here at this point in time. So I was like, I can't even buy it. I can't even help a local villager make more money. I, I don't even want to do it. <laughs> I couldn't even fathom. You can also continue up. Now you've reached the top of the mountain, but it also has an offshoot where you can go even higher. And so Kim has already descended at this point. And then Jamal and Brittany go up and they're asking me, do you want to go up? And I was like, hell no, man. I am so cold in this poncho here. The wind is hitting me so hard. Like, oh, your poncho. Thing is, it, it's like knives almost like, cause you're so high and it's so strong that like it's, you're, you're being pelted with knives because it's hitting you so intensely. And so I'm just like, if it's this windy here, like I can't even imagine going higher. So I'll wait for you here. So I just waited while Jamal and Brittany continued on. I don't think you guys went very far, but. No, we went like 50 feet farther and we, Jamal and I were breaking every two minutes to take a five minute break and we finally get like 50 feet farther up and I was like all right we're gonna head down I think the 50 feet's an exaggeration I feel like it was honestly <laughs> quite less like we we had a point where we said we thought we wanted to get for a better photo of Rainbow Mountain to have us in it and then we got to a certain point and we're just like no it's not even worth it like we can't even do this so then we made not it even our, for the photo uh, point. <laughs> not even That's for how you the know ground. it's bad. I mean, That's we got we, we, we got a couple, bad. but uh, we couldn't get them to be the as pristine as we wanted. But we still got some good ones. So then we think, okay, from here everything's going to be downhill. How bad can it be? So we get back on our mules. We are heading back to the bus, and um, we finally make it close to the bus, and we meet up as a squad again. And then we realize that there is a portion now we have to climb uphill to get to the, the last bus. And the four of us are together and we're collectively taking five steps, taking a break, taking five steps, taking a break. It literally took us, how long would you say it took us to get back to the bus? I mean, halfway through, we sat down on the grass for the break. It wasn't even just like, let's stand it. Like we sat down and braked it because we're like, we just can't. And like, this is literally 30 feet away, but it's like, <laughs> you, you had to take that break. And also I do want to say, cause Brittany was saying like, we're going downhill. How bad can it be? It was bad. It was like, my butt was so sore that I told the lady whose horse I had, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and walk this. <laughs> like I could not sit down anymore. Jamal and I pretty much walked the entire way back. Um, not too far from her. Cause I didn't want to ditch her and you pay at the end, but um, I just couldn't, it was too much. And not only were we that exhausted, but at this point we met up with the rest of the bus group that we came with. And even they sat down and took a break and we just looked at the van, like so close, but so far away. <laughs> <laughs> Like Zana said, she wasn't exaggerating. It was about 30 feet. It's the point where if you had the mules, they separated from you. And then obviously you're on your own to get to the bus. And that 30 feet maybe took us about like 15 minutes really to, to get to. We were just so 
beat and burnt out. And like Zana said earlier, you know, we're not saying this as if it was a complaint. I mean, in the moment, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? When we look back on it now, I mean, we obviously think this is a fun, crazy story. We love it. It's a great memory. The view was worth it. But oh man, like if you're not willing to just uh, kick yourself in your own ass, if you will, <laughs> then this maybe isn't a hike that you should do, but uh, it's definitely fun if you know what to expect going into it. Let's put it that way. So, so I feel like this is a strange question, but in this in this case, maybe not. Would you recommend it? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I think, I think the problem is we did it day two in Cusco and we didn't even let ourselves get fully, fully acclimated. And I quite honestly think, you know, if you were to hike the Inca trail, which takes four days to do to go to Machu Picchu, you're probably not going to want to do much hiking afterwards. But I think if you were there to get acclimated to the altitude, did Machu Picchu, came back and only did this one, which is like a day trek, uh, I think you people would be in a lot better situation. Or again, even if they weren't doing Machu Picchu hiking, spend more time in Cusco before you do it. It's definitely doable. We just pushed ourselves too fast. Or even maybe in a different part of the year when it's a little warmer or... Well, we actually went in June, which is their pristine time to go. Any oh, time wow. outside of that, it's going to be a lot more wet and colder. So we went during the best time. <laughs> okay, yeah. I take it back then. Wow, y'all are y'all are troopers. <laughs> One thing that we didn't mention was before we went to the bus, we did go back to the very cold barn to eat lunch, and everyone was like, "Man, I am hungry. This isn't like a, a short." hiking trip. This is an all day hiking trip. We've probably been hiking at least this point for like five or six hours. I am famished. They put the food in front of you. What you should know is that altitude kills your appetite. Like you're so hungry and then you start to eat and you're just like, I'm good. <laughs> like I'm That's just really good. Yeah. It really blocks your appetite, which is a shame because it also burns 25% more calories at that level too. Yeah. So after we had lunch, we were like, okay, this is going to be great. We're just going to get to the bus. We're, and we're just going to knock out and like just nap basically all the way home. But before that could happen, we actually got held up because we had to watch another van stop and they got stuck and all of their passengers had to get out (laughs) and push the bus past the point. And we're like, Oh my God, is our bus going to be able to make it? Are we going to have to get out and push our, our car, our van past this point? Luckily we didn't, but it was just crazy. Usually I like to consider myself a good Samaritan, but I was so exhausted. I was even saying to myself, oh my gosh, our tour operators better not even stop to like be courteous to have us help because I don't have that in me right now. So <laughs> that was my we, first thought. Yeah, so when we passed, them it was almost like oh man I feel so bad for them but it was a collective sigh of relief like oh thank god I don't have to get out there and uh, help them which I in hindsight now I I mean I feel bad about I'm sure they made it back home just fine (laughs) but I was so (laughs) thankful that we didn't have to get out and push yeah that that was my my first thought was how in the world do you have the energy to push a bus or a van if you don't have the energy to walk five steps without stopping Yeah, I remember because not that many people rented horses. It was us four and then another couple and one single person. And the couple that rented the horses that were with us, well, I mean, obviously we were separated, but like at the same time, like with us, you know, 
they were a part of the people that were pushing the bus. And I remember passing by and looking at them and just like trying to avoid eye contact. And yet at the same time, you can't look away and you're just like, that sucks. <laughs> that sucks so like a bad. train wreck, like a car accident. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. oh yeah. No, I mean, that's the end of Rainbow Mountain, but you know, the sun did come out, even though it provided minimal warmth, it was enough, but you're at such a high elevation and I'm notorious for burning real easily. So the next day I was treated to a whole face and neck burn from just being at the high altitude uh, close to the sun. And the amount of time that I spent on the mule and the saddle really killed my backside. And I just remember having breakfast in the morning at the hostel restaurant um, and thinking to myself, like, I can't even sit on this bench. It was like wooden. I was like, I am so uncomfortable. My ass really hurts. Like uh, this is- Like when you ride a bicycle for the first time in a while. (laughs) Oh yeah, but except on a bike- like 10 times worse. Yeah, but on a bike, it's centered to one spot. This was literally over my whole backside. And so, Again, we put ourselves through a lot of pain, but we got a great story and memory out of it. And I don't regret any bit of it, but you know, that's what I had for me the next day was an awesome burn and a sore backside. (laughs) That's what I was going to say too. And an awesome photo. Exactly. It's worth the photos, the, the being out of breath, being cold, being sick. It was worth the pictures. It's worth the memories. And it's some of our most cherished travel memories that we have together. So it was amazing. Great story. Great experience. And real quickly, to kind of wrap it up, you were asking earlier about what it does to your body. Well, Nurse Brittany brought her, what are those called? Pulse oximeters? Pulse oximeters. That's it. Where it like measures your oxygen. Oxygen (laughs) saturation. There you go. And why don't you tell it, Brittany? Because we were at 70%. Why don't you let everyone know how significant it is that our oxygen was at 70%. So I have my own pulse oximeter and what it does is that you put it on a finger typically, or you can even use it on like the end of your earlobes and it measures the blood saturation, the, the blood oxygen saturation and like pristine is hundred um, percent. Anything below a 92, if you're in the hospital setting, they would put oxygen on you and during parts of the hike, our blood oxygen saturations were dropping into the high seventies. So if we were to see that in a hospital setting, that person would definitely be on several liters of oxygen, continuous flow for probably quite some time. And here we are hiking Rainbow Mountain with our oxygen saturation dropping like crazy. I'm a little surprised that the the tour guides or the locals didn't recommend that you have a a travel oxygen or a, a supplementary oxygen with you. Well, the tour guide did bring like a big tank, but I'm talking like, you know, like the size of a fire extinguisher, (laughs) you know, like one of those size tanks. But he did say, like, do not use it unless you absolutely need it. Because if you, if you don't absolutely need it, it's more dangerous for you than to not use it. And so throughout the entire thing, even though it's like really, really challenging, uh, there was never a point where I felt like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really going to pass out. I think it's more of just the physical challenge that you're experiencing, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think I necessarily needed it. 
I could attest to that. It was more so you just needed to recoup before you could go on versus it was, I can't do this anymore. It was just, you need that time. That's interesting. I don't know that I really know the difference. Um, I also don't know <laughs> that physically I would ever be able to do this tour, which is really sad to me because I have seen the Instagram pictures of the Rainbow Mountains and um, I have COPD. So I cannot, like, I can't even uh, go diving and they don't recommend that I go to high altitudes either. So I don't know that this is something I could ever uh, just physically manage at all. Um, just, I take steroids for my lungs every day and have to use rescue inhalers when I work out. So unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever make it up there. <laughs> I mean, my, mentally I would, but physically, I don't think my body could. The nurse so, in me is like, yeah, this doesn't sound like the right tour for you. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But I have heard that, uh, cause you were saying that there, it, there are rainbow mountains in Peru and one other place, but, um, I've seen photos from Arizona. Is that a different type of mountain or rainbow mountain? Yeah. You know, I think they say technically that there's four and you're right. One of them's in Arizona, but those are like rock striations and they're all pretty much like, like two or three colors and they're all kind of like red rock colors whereas the ones that are in china and obviously rainbow mountain outside of cusco they're a whole variety of colors of like 15 uh different shades that they say so that's why you know depending on what article you read they'll say there's four one of them you're right is in arizona but the two ones that have the multi multi colors of like green reds purples golds you know, everything along the spectrum. The just, ones that looked photoshopped on Insta Instagram. I mean, right, I see those right. pictures and think, oh my gosh, like uh, it doesn't look real. And I imagine it's not, I imagine I've traveled enough to know that any, no picture does it justice. I mean, some of the things that you see and, you know, we talked about our favorite places and, um, you know, I, I can attest to pretty much any photo that is on my Instagram and you could probably agree there is, not a time that it ever does it justice. They never do. <laughs> no, no. So speaking of which, I would, uh, if you if you wouldn't mind sharing it, love to get uh, some of your pictures from the trip up on my Facebook or Instagram page, just so, so people can see, you know, what we're talking about in real life. Would that be okay with you guys? Oh, I'd love for everyone to see my poncho. Oh yeah, and I can see that too. Oh, and uh, did you manage to get pictures of the uh, the horses as well and the vans and everything on the way? We have several uh, pictures of us on the horses. And I think one of us was fortunate enough to snap the alpaca traffic jam too. So if we can find Perfect. that one, we'll get it. Yeah. I would love to have some of those and I'm sure our listeners would too. Um, now I am absolutely captivated <laughs> by you guys and that story. I think that that is one of the craziest travel stories I've ever heard. You guys are absolutely troopers and get the, you know, if this is a, a Girl Scout badge, you definitely get the hiking badge, the, the trooper badge. I love that. And thank you so much for sharing. Cannot wait to get some of those pictures out there. I know that you have a million other stories to tell, but I appreciate you sharing at least one with us. And um, 
I hope to have you back maybe another time. And don't forget, folks, to go on over to their podcast and have a listen. If you're traveling, if you're hiking, if you just want to be entertained, they are amazing. Uh, they really know what's going on when it comes to podcasts. You'll have it's easy listening. It's a great time. So um, I will let you guys let everyone know where to listen and how to find you, and uh, go from there. You can find us on Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast, YouTube, same handle, anywhere podcasts are found. You can find us at Travel Squad Podcast. We have a ton more funny stories about hiking from getting lost in the Sequoia National Park on a 16-mile hike on Easter Day with no food to scaling the top of a mountain in Washington while Brittany's hiking it up and we're all yelling for her to come down because it's windy and she's going to die. Um, she's and literally many, many more. <laughs> she is literally free soloing the mountain with ropes. Yeah. Or you know what? You can come along with us to Cuba where Kim and I both got our face licked by the same guy randomly in a club. <laughs> a, a cave nightclub. Yeah. No, you're going to have to tell me what episode that is so I can catch it. <laughs> it's either six or seven. Perfect. I'll check it out for sure. Well, I cannot thank you guys enough for joining me today. Thanks for your time. And uh, listeners, make sure to go and follow them on their Instagram, on their Facebook. Go and have a listen, subscribe, rate, um, all the things that us podcasters love for you to do if you, take, if you have time. So um, I will let you guys get out of here. Thank you so much. And uh, hope to have you on here again sometime. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much, having Ashley. us. Thank you so much, Ashley. Yeah, this was great.